a couple of weeks ago, as I was thinking about this for the first time and opportunity to speak here, I, I felt that I would share on the parable of the prodigal son. Um, but first of all, I want to say that I, I really come here uh, in a kind of a bodily weakness. I don't know why, but kind of my sleep escaped me <laughs> last night. I've slept maybe two to three hours. But I used to be sometime, like in the past, I used to be worried about that. But nowadays, I just, I have this happy feeling inside me. I think when Jesus says to Paul, we have it in Second Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. What Pastor Vesas shared about Jesus riding on a donkey, I think that's, that's a good picture for us in this modern world that the definition of power is totally different in the Bible when we look at it. God's power can be manifested in our weakness. And um, that's why I expect, to, uh, I expect that Jesus will do something here today. Okay, so we have this parable here. I'm going to read it out, um, and then we can go have a look what it says and what it can teach us. Okay. Uh, one word about the context. It says here in the, in the first and the second verses, it says that tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus. To hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And Jesus then gives three different parables the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the prodigal son, all in defense of these sinners and, and the fact that Jesus received these sinners. So that's the context. This story is originally written in defense of these sinners who wanted to hear Jesus. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him out to his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pots that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said... How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. 
I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, who has, uh, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Amen. Um, this is one of the, let me tell you, this is one of the most challenging stories in the, in the whole of Bible that I've read. And it touches the human experience so deeply. There's something so special about it. And that, that's also one reason I want to share it. Now, it's about the father and his two sons. And this younger son, he had some problems at home. Maybe he felt he was restricted in himself. Maybe he want more, wanted more freedom. So he said to his father, okay, father, give me the share of the property that, is, that belongs to me. In other words, he said, God, you're as good as dead to me. Because that's when you get your portion after your father is dead. And he took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. As I was reading this at home, I kind of felt like I could imagine myself how the son, he took on, he, he went aboard a ship. And he had all the money in his pockets. Maybe he had a backpack or something with him. And he saw this, all these prospects of the world. He saw freedom in his own eyes. He thought, I can do whatever I want to. I can have my own will. No one is going to come in the way. I don't know what kind of background you come from. There might be someone here, you come from a righteous background, from a righteous family, back somewhere in your own country. But coming to a foreign country, there's always there are, there are some risks 
the safety net of the righteous people around you, the safety of the home doesn't come with you always. It's suddenly gone and you might be all alone in a different country. And there are certain kinds of uh, things that come between you and God easily. All alone in a new and foreign environment, some people experience a moral decline. Maybe there is someone here who has started to backslide from the holy, holy principles you had in your home. Maybe there's someone who has, you have started habits that you didn't have back home. Habits that are not good for you. Maybe there's someone who's watching pornography or going to bars. But praise God that you are in his holy temple today. There is something better for you as we read on this text. Don't leave this place without renew, renewing your covenant with your father if you are if you feel that you are like the younger son when we read the uh, the passage on it says that when the prodigal son was in the foreign country he suddenly began to be in need i think this is where the grace of god enters the story it has been said and there are countless testimonies to this that the children of praying parents cannot be satisfied in the world. There's something when you get there, you, you are totally drunk, you watch pornography, you do all these things, and you're looking for something. There's something in your heart that you want to feel, but it never is enough. And there might be a praying mother somewhere on her knees, and there's something that is taking place in your heart and you feel that need. It is not a coincidence that the younger son was not given the pig's pots to eat, even though that was what he wanted. We are so easily content with so little. He would have been content with the pots. But there is something so much more. Finally, as the story goes on, the prodigal son humbles himself and repents. And what made him repent? It really blessed me, this song we had for the offering. And I, I heard how Vesa said, let's have this one before then. And that's what I felt as well <laughs> before you said it. Um, it said that the kindness of God leads us to repentance. What the prodigal son remembered in that foreign country was the safety of the home, was the abundance of the home. There was something there that he didn't have in the world. There were the servants. There are the pictures of angels. There was the father, the warm home that was calling. There has to be a point where we kneel down before our Lord and Savior, and come without reservations. We come and say, Lord, here I am. Change me. I want to repent of my ways. I want to go come back home. And that's the point where God is urging us to do. And He will run towards us. 
I think we can only take the one step, and it's, it's a very humble step. But the picture of the story, how this father runs. In that culture back then, it was not okay for a father or a family like that to run. People were thinking he was stupid. He was not worthy of his honor. But he ran. There might be other people that you come from different backgrounds. There might be someone who you don't maybe even have a home. You don't have a place that you can call your home. Maybe you had a home where your father abused you. There are terrible stories in this world, in this fallen world. But God has provided you a place in his presence. The story pictures God as the father of the house. And he's so compassionate for the younger son. He's so compassionate for you. He loves you and wants your best. Well, we have to decide, do we trust him enough to return back home? Do we think there's this possibility that, that he still wants to receive us? As I, as I told you about the context, this was written in the defense of the sinners. Jesus received a lot of sinners and multitudes were coming to him. There's a sad side to this story. It says that when the younger brother returned, the older brother was not quite happy at it. There are many older brothers in this world. I'm one of them. And not all of them are so good all the time. And loving. The older brother in the story denoted to the Pharisees and scribes. In other words, the religious people of the time. And what is meant with that, that they were on the field, is that their identity was that of a worker. They were not, they didn't identify themselves as children of the family. They were trying to attain God's and, and the Father's uh, favor with their own works instead of their identity as children. And that's where they failed. It doesn't mean the spiritual work we, we make in the sense of walking God's footsteps and being sensitive to the urgence of the Spirit. But it means that we are trying to have the favor of our Lord by our own works. But once these works become our identity, we lose the intim intimacy with the Father. The, the older son was as far away from the Father as the younger son. Let me repeat that. The older son was as far away from the Father as the younger son. When we have the identity of a worker, we value ourselves and also others according to what we do instead of what we are. Paul writes that now to the one who works in Romans 4, 4, 5. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. We come to God not because of what we have done, but, what we, but because of what Jesus has done on the cross when he died 
for us. And we come by faith and we think, Jesus, you are enough for me. My message for you today is come home. The home in this story means God's kingdom on earth. His blessed presence. God is a, clearly a home-centered God. And now I want to say, if you have a family, that's a word for you. God is a home-centered God. You can see in that story, there's the world, there's the home, and there's the field. And if you read the story, you see that it's centered in the home. God is a home and relationship-centered God. And roughly speaking, there are two ways to stray away from God's purpose and presence in your life and try up in your faith. The world, the worldliness, deliberately walking against God's will, leaving, turning your back to God and going to the world. That's one option. And many have done that, unfortunately. And God's heart is very sad. And then there's on the right side, there's religion. And that means man-made religion. You're trying to please God with your own works. We can see in the Garden of Eve that um, when Adam and Eve sinned, I didn't plan to say this, but I will. Um, Adam and Eve, when they sinned, the first thing they did, who remembers? Yeah. They hid, and then they took the leaves and made themselves a garment because they noticed they are naked. And that is a picture. You're trying to make yourself better by covering yourself with your own works, your religion. You think, if I, if I do this, and you do it with a bad conscience, that's why it's religion. The motive is not thanksgiving and, and freedom you have when you have washed when your conscience is washed by the blood of Jesus, then the motive is freedom and praise towards God that you do good works. But if, if you have a bad conscience, then it's just trying to make yourself better in your own works. And that's horrible in God's eyes. You will never be good enough. When God came again to them, He made them clothes of leather. Leather. And if you have leather, you have to kill. There's no atonement without shedding of blood, says the Bible. Someone has to die. And when God clothed them with these garments of leather, it means that they had it right with God. So no matter where you are at today, maybe you have backslided a little bit to the world. If you have taken only one step to the world, I'm saying, come home. Return before it's too late. Maybe there are some of you who have been, and, and I have to admit, this has been, as a pastor's kid, this has been always the, the more probable road for me. To go to the religion. To go to thinking that I will do something to attain God's favor. And we become judgmental. That's why we have fundamentalism. In the world. So come back home. 